Welcome into the Lockdown Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shell. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Jackson Frank, a reporter for Dime, and he wrote an incredible profile on Quentin Grimes. If you missed part one of our conversation from, uh, I think it was this Monday, go check it out. Um, if you're all caught up, though, enjoy this part two, where we get into Quentin Grimes' future on the Knicks and some keys for Knicks-Cavs. All that and more right now on Lockdown Knicks. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Hey, what's up, guys? This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash On today to get started. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. Um, if you're not aware, now you are. We are available on all platforms. That includes on YouTube. So if you're watching us on YouTube for the first time or the millionth time, I remember to like and subscribe and all that good stuff. Uh, one more shout-out before we get started with Jackson, and it goes to our good friend, uh, Mimar Sinan, a.k.a. the Stormburger, a.k.a. your old pal. Um, if you don't know Mimar, um, he is an incredibly good dude, um, and he is the guy who uh, made our intro music um, for the Locked On uh, Nick's podcast. And um, if you're listening on the podcast side, uh, you might have heard that there is a little update to it to include the Julius Randle uh, double bank. So just wanted to shout out Mimar. You can follow him on Twitter at Mimar Sinan Music. Um, and um, he wants you guys to know that Mimar Strumentals Volume 3 is coming soon. In the meantime, people can check out all of his work, including his latest, the Kingston Tapes, on all audio platforms. So shout out to Mimar. Uh, shout out to Julius Randle for getting the double bang. Praying for his health um, and looking forward uh, to this conversation with Jackson Frank where we get uh, more into Quentin Grimes, his future on the Knicks, his fit on the Knicks, um, how he could potentially be the fulcrum of a star trade, someone else I'd prefer to be the fulcrum of a star trade, um, and then some quick thoughts on Knicks-Cavs. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. All right, we are back. Um, Continue to talk Quentin Grimes. Um, We're going to get a little bit into uh, Knicks-Cavs as well. Uh, but man, I, I thought you you hit the nail on the head in like obviously like and and this wasn't really something you you touched on the story like I'm I'm kind of curious if it came up but like he was obviously very much in trade talks um over the summer um in, in unless it did come up in the story I'm forgetting and I apologize if it did but no um, no nothing in yeah. the story um yeah so he was he was in trade talks over the summer and he was in and honestly like if I were him I would be I would be flattered because it was about <laughs> a, a young multi-time All Star in Donovan Mitchell someone who's now like a consensus top fifteen to twenty guy in the NBA and he was he was allegedly like the holdup over the and that thank you yeah affirmation there we go <laughs> yeah and he um he was the guy the Knicks did not want to part with and I was very supportive of that idea because to everything you said he is um and and the way Emmanuel quickly has developed it's like a little less unique but at his size at six foot five like he is very much unique on this team in terms of his ability to make quick decisions to be that secondary creator just just to keep keep everything moving along the gears turning the trains running on time like he provides that that little jolt of like on one hand predictability and that he's going to make the right play every time but also unpredictability in that he is a very creative passer and he is um unlike really anyone over the last few years on the Knicks like wanting to reward the Knicks big men like he he had a play the other day where he um, Isaiah Hartenstein uh, tapped the ball to him. He was wide open under the rim, and he passed up a layup to give Obi Toppin a dunk. Like, like that is <laughs> such a clear internal emphasis for him. And I think 
for on the court reasons, but also just for team chemistry. Like he is so essential in so many different ways and, and his defense is, is absolutely pivotal. And because of that, I'm, I'm really curious of your perspective, like given those discussions this past summer, given developments like Emmanuel quickly looking like he could be an all-star one day, like what your opinion is of his future on the team? Because I, I think everything I said can be true, but there are going to be financial realities. And even more so than that, there's going to be the reality that the Knicks number one goal and Leon Rose, um, even though he's not really willing to talk like, like the, the, <laughs> the, his actions speak loudly that the goal is still to get a star, an A1 star in the building. And as great as Jalen Brunson has been, as great as Julius Randle has been, right, they're not necessarily those guys. So I, I guess I don't know exactly what I'm asking, but maybe as broadly <laughs> as possible, like what, what what do you see as his, like the future of him as a player and like that future on the Knicks, both in terms of his aspirations, like you have a quote in there. Like I think, I think it was the pull quote you used for the article. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to find it here because I don't, I don't want to get it wrong. Um, yeah. It's from, from his trainer, um, I, uh, Matt Evans, right? Um, uh, I think he's like, it, Matt is one of his like closest friends and also right. his manager. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Matt said, quote, he just knows how to get to where the moon is. Right. And that sounds like a guy with high aspirations to be his master, the little stuff, but he still wants the big stuff in the last 10 games. I think it's what is it like 22 points per game. Now last seven <laughs> games, like have shown that like, that's the ceiling that's possible for him. Like, is that going to be on the Knicks? Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> It's tough to say whether it'll be on the Knicks or not, just because I don't know who's going to be available. I don't know who, even if players become available, if they make sense for the Knicks necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I think wherever he's going to be, he's going to be really successful. Um, I'm curious to see where he takes the next step offensively next year. I don't think he's perfect defensively, but you know, I think he's kind of you know just with natural continued progression is a guy who. You know, I expect to at least be someone who people talk about as an all-defensive candidate. I don't think he's necessarily going to get that recognition this year, um, but a guy that I think just continues to progress. You know, he's he's pretty young too for a guy who played three years in college. I think he turns twenty-three either in April or May. Um, so maybe he's not man, I guess. But still, like, I mean, he's just you know, he's not like a guy who played three years in college and is twenty-four now or something like that already in year two. Um, so. Um, yeah, so I, I'm curious, kind of, can he can he be a guy that maybe you occasionally run a secondary pick and roll for next year? Um, where does the handle get to? Can he get an intermediate game? Um, because he's got the three point, he's got the jumper down, and he's got the finishing down. Um, but there's not much of an intermediate game to him, right? There's not really much of a pull up, not a floater. Um, so I'd be curious, kind of, the, the other things he tries to address, um, like I said, with the handle too. Um, like he's got a really good first step attacking off the catch, but he's not necessarily a you know a super zippy or bursty player kind of from a standstill necessarily um so those would be kind of the, the things that i'm i'm curious about moving forward um but yeah i just he's just i mean a guy who can finish space the floor guard one through two and a half three really really capably pretty good rebounder from the guard position as well when the knicks need more of that i can't remember which game i was watching me maybe it was one of the the heat game that they won where he just had like five rebounds in the first two minutes something like that was just, yeah 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 he had, he had eight points and four rebounds in the first i think it was two and a half minutes of the game yeah it was ridiculous um there's he, he had a magnet for the ball but um yeah so just like just a guy who's already projects as a really complimentary ancillary starter um where can you go from there where can you get to you know a a high level starter like i think he's a, a good starter but can you get to that that top 50 to 60 player range where, you know, you're, 
you're like, like in a, in a, in a year where everything breaks, right. You know, he's a guy you're considering, you know, for all-star consideration. I'm not saying this is where I see the ceiling, but those are the next steps that I see for him. Right. Because yeah. I already think, he, you know, he's already a, a, a plus impact starter on a team that won 47 games, if I'm mistaken, 47. Um, exactly. And so, yeah, and it was 47 or 48. I couldn't remember, but um because uh, the Pacers came back and won. Yeah, he came, he came so, close to Grimes came yeah. close to getting us there. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, so that's kind of the next steps for me. Like I said, just more of an intermediate game. Can you have a little more ball handling? Can you have some sort of ball handling competency? Um, just second side stuff. And the Knicks, you know, obviously with their ISO heavy offense, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily something they're going to need a lot of as long as Brun- Brunson and Randall are in the fold, but and you know, quickly as well. Um, that's kind of where all the creation rests in, in that team, and it's obviously very effective. Um, but that's kind of the next step because you know at some point he's going to be in a different team environment, whether it's a different look of this Knicks roster or it's a different team in general. It's going to be you know an environment for him in his NBA career. I imagine at some point where he is you know maybe someone who could be who could be looked upon to take more of that usage on a little more prominent on ball role. So those would be the steps for me. But um, yeah, I think for now it's just continuing to refine. Um, you know what he does well, and I, I'm like I I do I really am curious like if, if next year's the year that we see some all defensive talks for him because I'm sure it's it's there in Knicks in Knicks crowds, and it, it is a tough like I mean the defensive yeah you just I think there's so like as good as the offense is these days like there's still so many incredible defenders both in the front court and the back court but um, I do hope that you know soon we get a wider appreciation for his defense um and maybe that maybe that comes in in these playoffs maybe he uses as a springboard he's gonna get his fair share of reps against two all all-star slash all nba caliber guards and and garland mitchell and if they win that series he'll have his his fair share of opportunities against whoever else they play so um you know that would be the hope is maybe we can springboard these play a great playoff showing against two great guards and to a little more all defense buzz moving forward because i think i don't know if he's actually there right now but i think he is a guy that i that should get more mention of that. Maybe I'm just missing national talks praising him. So that, that could be the case, but it doesn't feel like he's quite mentioned in the same breath as some of those other really, really good guards you know, on the defensive end, despite maybe being worthy of that, that consideration. All right, guys, we'll be back with Jackson to continue our conversation um, in just a sec. Um, but before we do that, um, we got to award Nissan's most electric player of the week. And it's brought to you by the all new all electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And the guy I got to give it to, this is, this is a break from how we normally hand out the award, but um, it's going to be a guy who uh, has not played in a little while, but someone I'm hoping is playing on Saturday night, and that is Julius Randle, because he has had an absolutely electric season. What's really flashed to me is the fierce elegance that he's played with this year, right? Because he is a human bowling ball, just torturing smaller defenders, running through them, um, almost like a prime Ray Lewis hopped up on deer antler spray. But then he gets to the rim, and he has just a fluid game to him, right? Like the double pumps, the up and unders, um, all of the above with Julius Randle. He's also he's also this brilliant, like, finesse passer. Like, he, he is the one guy I know who combines stunning power and, and also just a general sense of brilliant fierceness. The 2023 Nissan Aria is similar in that it packs pin your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive, and you can shop now at NissanUSA.com. 
Yeah, I feel like I, for whatever reason, defensive like recognition always lags a year or two behind. Like, like you almost, you need a, a resume, particularly at the guard <laughs> spot, just because it's obviously it's not flash plays. I know B Ball Index had a stat like that he had the highest um, degree of difficulty matchups in the NBA that he played <laughs> in the league this year. So he's certainly he's getting his reps in that respect. But I'm I'm totally with you from a big picture perspective. I mean, I think his greatest strength like is his his fungibility, right? Like we even we were talking about that this offseason. Like it's why he's a guy you don't want to lose. Is like you could plug him in for any team in the league. He's probably going to be playing at least 20 minutes per game. He's probably like, if, if nothing horrible happens, like he's going to be in the league for 12 to 14 years. Like that, that is just who he, who he is at a baseline. And then anything you get from there is gravy. And like similar things were said about Mikel Bridges. Like, obviously he's not, he's not there as quickly, but like the comp we were making all summer was like Desmond Bain. Like that would be kind of a goal. And like, and Bain has done it in with, with the consistency and, and, and with a level of efficiency that like that Grimes like you, has done now for eight games but you hope he can do it when it really matters. You hope he can do it against great defenses that are locked in. And, and to me, like a lot of like his place on the Knicks comes down to one guy we didn't really talk about in RJ Barrett and how Barrett continues to develop. And maybe this is counterintuitive, but I almost think the better Barrett becomes, the more likely Grimes is to be able to like stay on this team up to a certain point where if you could have RJ be the centerpiece of that star trade and, and keep Grimes, I think that would be the dream because Grimes is someone who, to my previous point, just would fit in much better around like theoretical star wing X that the Knicks don't have. Obviously, if RJ gets so, so good, then he will be that guy. I have uh, very real doubts about that after this year, but I think there's a happy middle ground where you get to keep Grimes um, or maybe you one day have to trade one at Brunson or Randall because Grimes is just that good of a fit <laughs> next to a star. All interesting questions, all kind of nebulous, sort of meaningless <laughs> at this point. Uh, what's a little less nebulous and what I want to finish on Jackson is the Knicks, uh, the Knicks start a playoff series next week, which I, we, we should be celebrating because it doesn't happen too often, unfortunately, around these parts. But what are, what are your initial thoughts on, on Knicks Cavs and how the two teams match up? Yeah, I, you know, I've, it's been kind of a hectic few days, so I haven't thought a lot about any of the four matchups that are finalized at the moment, uh, maybe aside from from Sixers Nets a little bit, because I do a decent amount of coverage on the Sixers specifically. But um, I'm really excited for Knicks Cavs. They they've played I don't know at least two or three really really in, intriguing games this year. Um, I guess if, from a Knicks perspective, I don't like the the one when Brunson dropped 48 was very intriguing. It wasn't a super close game by the end. I know yeah. the Knicks kind of won. And I know I know Allen was out. Obviously, Randall was out too. So two key players missing, or a key player missing for each side. But I've really enjoyed a lot of the games they played this year. Um, I'm fascinated to see how each team goes about defensive coverages in the front court at their four and five spots. So it's a very different kind of set of like I think you know broadly you could compare Allen and Mitch Rob in, in similar ways. You know I think there's obviously much more nuance to distinguish their games, but um, but then Randall and, and Mobley are so contrasting and. Um, and just kind of the way that the the Cavs and, and kind of go about defending Randall too. Um, you know, I think back to maybe, maybe they played in January, December, and they couldn't quite figure out who to put on Randall. And um, I think it was a game that the Knicks won. So I'm curious about that. I'm curious kind of what, what Emmanuel quickly can look like. Um, you know, I just wrote a piece, you know, another Knicks piece for, <laughs> for Dime on him that came out on Saturday. And, you know, obviously you know, all Knicks fans and writers and whatnot know that a big key for him this year has been, becoming a competent inside the arc scorer. And that I imagine will be a very tough thing against the duo of Allen and Mobley. So um, what does he look like there? You know, what does Randall look like in a playoff setting? Obviously Knicks fans know last time that was the case. It did not go very well. I think he's a, he's a better player than he was two years ago. I think his decision making is better. Some of his passing vision, but 
And then what is Randall like in a first option? He loves to get to the mid range. Um, is that going to be someone that, you know, do the Cavs find a way to bother him or does he continue to have some success in, in that range, you know, despite the Cavs having two incredible defensive big men. So um, those, are, those are the things I'm looking at. Um, you know, the Cavs or the, sorry, the Knicks play that, that no middle defense, a lot of aggressive help with the nail. Um, the Cavs are not renowned for their floor, spa- floor spacing, of course. So kind of what does the push and pull of that look like if a Coro gets hot or a, you know, they, they play Dean Wade and he gets hot, um, you know, or, or Evan Mobley, for, you know, has a great, you know, you know, I know he's been really poor from three this year, but, you know, ends up taking a few and, you know, you know, keeping the defense honest somehow. So um, the, the balance of that, you know, against Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland running their pick and rolls, um, just a lot of really, really intriguing you know, things to look at. I think among the four series that have been finalized, this one and then um, Kings Warriors to me is are the two most exciting right now. Mm. Um, that obviously can change as we get the play in clarity. But um, yeah, I'm really excited for this matchup. The Cavs and Knicks have been two of my favorite teams to watch this year. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a really good series. I, and I don't necessarily have a prediction or anything like that, but um, I do expect it to be a, a much more competitive series than the last time the Knicks were in the playoffs because I remember thinking back to that series and being pretty optimistic about the Hawks chances. Um, obviously that ended up being the case, but I do like the Knicks chances at least of I'm not saying they're going to win necessarily, but I do just think it's going to be a really, really good series as you would hope a four or five series is. So um, yeah, I, I really, really am looking forward to, to this one for sure. All right, guys, we're going to be back with Jackson one final time to wrap up his thoughts on Knicks Cavs and, and some of mine. Um, but first, if you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all that sugar and calories, raise his hand, then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. It's built. You got to try this if you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste. I've got just the thing for you. Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy and tasty and amazing. Seriously, they taste so good, you won't even think they're good for you. You just got to try them. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. They come in crazy flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. I'm not sure how Built does it, but they, they taste like a candy bar while maintaining these incredible macros. They're healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't need to wait for a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can just get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while still getting this, your specialty flavors, your favorite ones, at Built.com. That's right. Head to the nearest Walmart today, walk to a pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie, batter, puff, and churro puff. You guys can thank me later. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely like a little like PTSD, at least on my end, from that series and just looking back on it and being like, all right, I kinda I kinda thought that team was for real. Like it didn't didn't end up being the case. And then this team, like the the metrics tell you, right? Like that that it is it is sort of for real. And like and they kind of say something that I, I struggle to believe that the Knicks are maybe a top seven or so team in the NBA this year. And I, I think it, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, like I I need to see it to believe it. Like I need to see Julius like like take a unexpected double team and not throw the ball away. Um, I need, I need to see quickly like replicate what he did against the Boston Celtics this year and have a monster game, like going up against a Donovan Mitchell and a Darius Garland. And and part of me wonders if it's still like, maybe not for Randall, maybe not for Brunson who who's already gotten it done on this stage, even before he got it done as a, as a full-time starter. Um, but maybe for the other guys in the Knicks, this is just a year too early. Um, and we're going to see that. 
Um, I hope that's not the case. Like, I really think the series is going to come down to, like, as you noted, like which team's role players can can hit open threes. Um, because I think um, it's weird to call him a role player, but I think R.J. Barrett's going to be given a million open threes in this series. I think Josh Hart is going to be dared to prove that uh, his three-point shooting on the Knicks is more real than his three-point shooting on Portland was. Um, Grimes is not going to be given open threes, but he's going to be getting hard closeouts and going to be like, all right, are you still are you still making those like really nifty like slip passes when Evan Moby's like twenty foot long arms are like <laughs> in, in your way? Um, I think he can, but we're we're going to find out. So it's like it, it's I mean that's the beauty of playoff basketball, right? Even if it goes bad for the Knicks, like it it's this like great mirror where you're like you can be really honest with yourself about as a franchise of what you have. And, and to me, like that's kind of the greatest victory for the Knicks this year as a whole is like last season, like when we were talking about that Donovan Mitchell trade like I thought part of the reason like the 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 Jazz excuse me were asking for so much pick equity was like Tibbs didn't really good do a good job of highlighting Quentin Grimes of, of highlighting Emmanuel quickly of highlighting Obi Toppin and that, that's still an issue but that's a conversation for another day um and this season like if nothing else like those things have been accomplished like we we know who quickly can be we know who Quentin Grimes can be um and I I, I think this will be like another Test to that, not not in terms of like trading them, but just in terms of like the Knicks, like knowing what they have. And I'm I, I'm pretty confident it's going to go well. Sounds like you are too, Jackson, um, a real real ally to Knicks Nation with those two <laughs> articles. And I I really appreciate your insight on on Grimes, on, on quickly, on, on on the team as a whole. Um, before I let you go, can you just uh, tell everyone where they can find all your great work one final time? Uh, yeah, oh my God. Oh, it's going crazy again. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF. Uh, those two articles that I mentioned with with Grimes and Quickly are both on Dime. I think you can just search my name with Dime Uprox and my my bio or what my byline or whatever will come up there. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the playoffs uh, or just the postseason in general. But yeah, like I said, I think Knicks Cavs is going to be one of the the more enjoyable series of the entire playoffs. And um, and I think what's what's cool and this isn't just like prematurely on the next season but i think yeah. they're going to be in a, in a very good spot regardless of how this playoff run goes especially compared to how to, to how the you know went two years ago i just think they're it's a much more sustainable group you know yeah. i think you know with with randall two years ago you know or again you know then last year with the regression they didn't really have anywhere else to turn whereas now that they've got it quickly they've got a, a brunson offensively so i really like what the knicks have in place you know with with their balance of win now guys and young and young guys who are also able to win now but can impact winning even more in their primes on the line. So yeah, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, for, for your sake and the sake of Knicks, Knicks fans, <laughs> I, I hope it's a really, really enjoyable series and yeah. uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, is that a Saturday or Sunday game? Saturday game night. One. Saturday night. Okay. Saturday All right. Night. Well, I, I'm, I will be uh, tuned in intently. All right. And we'll, we'll have plenty more coverage for you on locked on Knicks full series preview uh, coming up tomorrow with the boys over at Locked on Cavs. And, and man, music to my ear, sustainable. I'm, I, I, hope, I hope everyone tuning in uh, sustainably listens to this podcast. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Locked on Knicks.